Well, good morning, Ocean View. It is Mother's Day, and so, yeah, it, type in the chat there, Happy Mother's Day. You can tell that to everybody, whether it doesn't matter, just put it in there. We want to acknowledge all the moms out there. Thank you for your love and devotion to your calling. Everyone has a mother, and on Mother's Day, we remember our moms. Now, some of you, your moms are still living, and you've got the opportunity to say, thanks, mom. Others of us, our moms are no longer living on earth, and maybe we're a little bit sad that she isn't with us. But we do remember the good times, the good things about moms. Now, moms, have you ever struggled with doubts in your mind? It's almost like this battle. I can't do this job. I'm not a good mom. I'm not as good as that mom over there. Or I don't know enough. I don't have enough time. I'm not smart enough. I'm not. It's like this war in your mind. And then there are times when you make really dumb decisions. You're yelling at the kids in anger and frustration. You regret it later. Or you're exploding at your spouse, either externally or internally, over the long, difficult days. And it's not just moms. Like dads do it, and ladies, men, boys, girls. We all struggle with this war in their mind. For the month of May, we are talking about winning the war in your mind. In our scripture reading this morning, the Apostle Paul talks about this struggle in his mind. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyways. I wonder why I'm making these irrational decisions. My brain misfired and I end up self-destructing. Do any of you do that? You want to be nice to your spouse and you're trying to make up and the next thing you know, you're yelling. Or you want to save money, instead you go shopping. You want to trust God with something, but instead you just worry. And it makes me wonder sometimes, why is it that we want one thing, but we decide to do something completely different? Why do we behave so irrationally? I want to try to answer that question today with a visual illustration. Why in our minds we often make very irrational decisions. 1967 was a very memorable year for me. It was the 100th birthday of Canada, the Centennial Confederation. I was 12 years old in grade 7, and my dad started renovating the house. He was adding on three bedrooms and a bathroom, almost doubling the size of our little house. Now that process took over five years. Grant and I spent uh, a couple of years sleeping in our bunk beds in the living room while my twin brothers were in the kitchen dining room. I actually finished the last painting and putting in carpets after I graduated grade 12 in 1973. Now, Dad wasn't a carpenter or an electrician or a plumber, but he was a farmer. And uh, farmers ask questions and give it a go. Well, when it came to the electrical wiring, Dad gave it a go. He asked questions, he looked at the rest of the house, he talked with my uncle who had some electrical experience, and he wired the addition. After working eight hours a day and two hours doing chores, and then he'd spend the last two hours working on the house, and he did all the electrical wiring. And I still remember the day the electrical inspector came. He used his little tester, and he checked everything out. And my dad told me that the inspector was very impressed with the neatness of the installation, but there was just one thing to fix. All the plugs were cross-wired. The brass screw and a silver screw on each electrical plug. And the black is the hot wire, and it goes on that brass screw. And the cold, 
the neutral wire goes on the silver screw. Dad had them backwards. And that stuck with me over the last 50 years. Anytime I do wiring, I remember what my dad said. Now, there's a reason to put them on the correct side. It will work. You can get it working, but it is dangerous. Receptacles have one long slot and one short slot. You've probably seen it on the plugs around your house. And it's got a roundish slot on the bottom for the three, third prong of the grounding plug. Now, that's why you often have to flip over the plug to make it sure it fits, because that's what's called being polarized. It is only fits one way. Polarized plugs and outlets ensure that the electricity flows in one direction only. That's kind of the simple version. This makes the lamps and many other appliances safer to operate. If you connect the circuit wires to the wrong terminals, the outlet will work, but the polarity will be wrong. When this happens, a lamp, for example, will have that socket sleeve. It will be energized instead of the little tablet inside. So sometimes if they're cross-wired, you run the danger of touching something and then, bam, electric shock. Why is it that we behave so irrationally sometimes? Why do our minds seem to go into shock? Because often we're cross-wired in our brains. We're believing a lie. If you were with us last week, we talked about the neural pathways that take place in our mind. Every time you think a thought, you're creating a neural pathway. It's almost like a mental trail in your mind. Your experiences, your thoughts are wiring or programming your brain. For example, if a little baby smiles and mom smiles back and says goo goo gaga and all that, the baby's brain creates a little pathway that says smiling is good. If a baby touches a hot stove and the body feels pain, the baby's brain creates a pathway that says hot stove's bad. And if baby wants a sucker and says, I want a sucker, mom says, no sucker. And the baby starts to cry and mom gives the baby a sucker. The baby's brain says, crying gets me a sucker. And that's why some of you mums are the sucker right now, right? Not so much mums, it's mostly dads. When we think a thought, our brain is creating new neural pathways. The more we think a thought, the easier it is to think that thought again. The more dominant that thought becomes. And that is really, really good when we're thinking on truth. But it's incredibly bad news when so many of us are believing the lies. Why do we behave so irrationally? Many times we have the wires in our mind crossed. Let's review some thoughts from the previous week. What do we know about our mind? Our mind is a battlefield, and most of life's battles are won or lost in the mind. We use these verses from 2 Corinthians 10. And last week we read it, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. As followers of Christ, we have spiritual weapons. And they're not the same weapons of this world. Our weapons have divine power to demolish strongholds. So what is a stronghold? It is a wrong pattern of thinking. It's a place where the wires in our brain have been crossed. And then it continues on to say, therefore we demolish arguments and every pretension, every crossed wire that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. We take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. Why does every thought matter? 
Well, it matters because your life is always moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. What comes into your mind tends to come out in your life. And you cannot have a positive life when you have a negative mind, when the wires are crossed. And if you don't control what you think, you'll never be able to control what you do. So today, we're going to get some tools from God's Word on how to train your mind. Take back your mind. And we're going to use this key verse from Romans 12 too. It says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Paul sets up this dichotomy between conform and transform. Why is it that we do not conform and instead we are to be transformed? Transform in the Greek is that word that we learned in school when we studied bullfrogs and butterflies, metamorphosis, and hence that's the reason I'm wearing the shirt this morning. Let me tell you a little bit of the story, quick story of the monarch butterfly. Monarch butterflies are a real Canadian snowbird. They winter in Southern California and Mexico. In the warm weather comes, they fly north, 2,000 miles, whatever that is in kilometers. Along the way, they leave 200 eggs in various places on milkweed plants. And they hatch in three to four days as caterpillars, that yellow, black, white caterpillar. They, caterpillars, eat milkweed. Milkweed is poisonous to birds and lizards, but it stays in the caterpillar's body, and predators that eat them get sick. So these birds think, stay away from those yellow and black crawling things. They make you sick. Caterpillar larva grows, and it continues to grow, and the skin pops, and it peels off, and they do that five times in one month. At the end of the month, the skin tightens with a hard lump inside, and underneath the milkweed leaf, he spits a drop of liquid silk that hardens. He holds that with hooks in his hind legs and hangs upside down. The lump continues to swell, and it bursts the caterpillar's skin. And it creates the pupa. The skin rolls up over the whole caterpillar and it goes all the way back up to its hind legs. The air hardens this to form a chrysalis, the cocoon. And the butterfly grows in the cocoon for 10 days. At the end of 10 days, the body gives off a liquid to soften the chrysalis and it begins to open. The head and feet come out first and then it squeezes out into the wings so that blood is forced into the wings as it squeezes out of the cocoon. The wings dry and it prepares for flight. The caterpillar is transformed from a caterpillar into a butterfly. Now, here is the metamorphosis, the transformation reality. None of the caterpillar body parts change into butterfly parts. Caterpillar is a mouth, butterfly is a proboscis. Caterpillar has six eyes, uh, butterfly has two compound eyes. Caterpillar has two short antennae, butterfly has two long antennae that tell wind speed and direction. Caterpillar has eight pairs of legs for movement. The butterfly has three pairs of legs and its front two are to taste. And then the butterfly has wings to warm its blood and fly the 2,000 miles south back to its home again. None of the caterpillar parts change into butterfly parts. All are new, 
All are different. This nest of analgon butterfly cells inside the larvae is what grows into the butterfly. The caterpillar body feeds the cells. The caterpillar died. The butterfly pupa is born. This process is called metamorphosis in the Greek, or to change form. And it's used six times, four times in Scripture. Twice it's talking about the transfiguration of Jesus on the mountain of transfiguration. This passage that we're reading today in Romans 2, and then also a equally very similar passage in 2 Corinthians 3.18. It says, we are being transformed into Christ's image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Be transformed. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. As the caterpillar is transformed or metamorphosized by the master designer of the universe, so also are people reborn and transformed into the image of Jesus Christ. Transformation begins the moment you put your faith and trust in Jesus, a new life in Christ. It is both a crisis, it happens at the time where you are changed into a a child of God, and it is a process, a changing process for our whole earthly life. So how does a believer transform or metamorphosize? You know, sometimes in Christian circles, we can focus on the first part in order to transform. Do not conform. And we go around and we show people how they shouldn't be doing this. Stop doing this. Stop allowing yourself to be outwardly fashioned after the pattern of this age. Molded to a pattern. Conforming to a standard. Stop doing that. Look at all the philosophies of the world out there that try to dictate your worldview. Stop conforming to those patterns. Humanism. Man can. Hedonism. It feels good. Do it. Existentialism. Just look out for number one. Or materialism says money is power. Stop conforming to those patterns. But it also applies to religious standards or patterns. Imagine your idea of what a Christian is. How they dress, how they talk, their actions, their lifestyle. Asking or demanding anyone to conform to that standard is just as mistaken. The issue is not what should be conformed to and what not. The issue is conforming at all. We must not allow ourselves or others to conform to the philosophies, standards, or patterns made by humans. Too often we try to conform the old man by conform or to reform the old man by conforming him to standards and laws to change him. It cannot be done in God's eyes because he's dead. Pharisees, they tried to conform people to the laws to win God's favor. And the New Testament says we're saved by God's grace. You can't conform a corpse. It's only as the caterpillar dies that the monarch is born. The parts don't change. They're reborn. You cannot put on a butterfly suit. You cannot put on a Christian suit. The change comes from within. It's stop acting like a Christian and be a follower of Jesus Christ. When we look at this word metamorphosize, 
uh, in the Greek, it, it really there's three things that come out with it. First, it's in the passive voice. And the passive voice is saying, let yourself be. Conform is in the middle voice. And it means sometimes you do it yourself, sometimes it's being done to you, but it's in the middle voice. Transform is in the passive voice. It's being done to you by something else. The Holy Spirit is the agent of transformation. He changes us from the inside like a butterfly. It's in the imperative mood, which is really a command. Allow yourself. Allow the Holy Spirit to work. Cooperate with Him. You know, there's that passage in Scripture that says, quench not the Holy Spirit. That's really what it's talking about, where you stop allowing the Holy Spirit to work. Allow the Holy Spirit to work, and He will change you. Growth requires change. If we are not changing, we are not growing. If we are not changing, we are unscriptural. Churches, people need to continually be changing and transforming into who God wants us to be. Allow the Holy Spirit to work in our life and allow the Holy Spirit to work in someone else's life. Thirdly, it is in the present tense. It says continue to allow yourself to be transformed. It's a progressive, continuous action. It doesn't happen all at once. It's not intermittent. It is a continuous, progressive action. Continue to allow yourself to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The method of transformation is the renewing of your mind. The agent is the Holy Spirit. The means is a renewed mind. Retraining your mind. How do you train your mind? I'm guessing that a lot of you probably haven't ever thought about training your mind. You might have thought about training your dog. Uh, maybe you've thought about training your body. You might think training your body is all about exercise, running, biking, sit-ups, weights. Well, training isn't just about what you do with your body. It is also about what you put into your body, especially as you get older. I have discovered I cannot eat like I used to. Number one, I don't want to, but number two, uh, fatty foods, all this stuff. Oh, my body goes, you can't be doing that anymore. It's not just about what we've been thinking in our mind. It's also what we pour into our mind that can, either tra that can train our mind or will train our mind. To continue believing the wrong things or we can train our mind with truth. It's not just what you do with it. It's what you put into it. The Apostle Paul talks about this in Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. He says, And now, dear brothers and sisters... One final thing, fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Paul was writing this from a Roman prison. He was under house arrest. He had a praetorian guard with him 24 hours a day. He was chained to a guard. Very terrifying place to be. He was awaiting possible execution, waiting for Caesar to say whether he was guilty, not guilty, whether he'd be freed or not freed. Now, it's interesting. He didn't say, God let me down. I can't go on with life. Things couldn't get any worse than this. Instead, he said, one final thing from a Roman prison. 
fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable. He didn't say fix your thoughts on a worst case scenario or fix your thoughts on what you hate or fix your thoughts on what you're afraid of or fix your thoughts on what could go wrong, but fix your mind on what is right and pure. He said think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Uh, the New King James Version, I like how it says it, is, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Meditate on these things. We meditate. Now, sometimes we kind of go, ah, come on, isn't meditation some of that New Age stuff, you know? Isn't that an Eastern mysticism thing? India or Hinduism or Buddhism or yoga or martial arts? Become one with the universe, cross your legs in an awkward manner and close your eyes? Well, that can be meditation, but I want to give you a definition of meditation. I want to show you how scriptural and healthy the right kind of meditation can be. <clears throat> the definition of meditation is a very simply could be to engage in mental exercise, to focus one's thoughts. It's just to focus. There are many examples of godly people who were meditating on things that were true and lovely and admirable and excellent, meditating on the power of God's word. In Psalm 119, verse 15, it says, I meditate, I focus on your precepts and consider your ways. And then in Psalm 143, 5, it says, I meditate on all your works and consider what your hands have done. In other words, it's not about emptying your mind. Instead, it's filling your mind with truth. It's fixing your mind. It's like what the great theologian Jackie Chan in The Karate Kid said. Your focus needs more focus. Some of you, if I can say to you right now, your focus needs more focus. Your mind needs to uncross the wires that have been programmed to believe something that's not true. You need to focus on what is true. Fix your mind. Focus your mind on the things of God. Because when our mind drifts, and I don't know about you, my mind can drift very quickly. It generally doesn't drift to what is true. It generally drifts to my own insecurities, my own fears. The worst case scenarios, the lies that the devil's been telling me about myself for years, you know, you're, you're never going to be good enough, you're incapable, you should be ashamed after what you did, how could God ever use you? What we want to do is to learn to meditate, to focus on truth, to focus and train our minds on God's truth. So I'm going to give you an exercise that's not going to be easy. If you've been believing a lie for 10 years or 15 years or 30 years, it can take a little while to deprogram that mistruth and replace it with truth. But it can be a game changer on focusing what is true. The first question that we talked about last week, what stronghold is holding you back? What would you say is the top wrong mindset, the place where you're Wires are crossed. You grew up in a household maybe that struggled with finances so that you think you're not any good with money. You believe I'm never going to get out of debt. Or you might have the wires crossed and think, 
I've tried for three years and I cannot overcome this addiction. I'm never going to be able to overcome this addiction. Or you might think, I'm never going to be healthy. People in my family aren't healthy. We're just never going to be healthy. Or you may say, I've tried to get close to God. You know, I get close to God for like five seconds and then my mind drifts off. I'm never going to feel close to God. Maybe the wires are crossed and you're thinking, I work so hard to get ahead, but I'm never going to have a meaningful job. I'm always going to do something stupid and beneath me. Or maybe you're thinking, I'm never going to get married. I'm never going to have a blessed marriage. What is the dominant stronghold where your mental wires are crossed? Where the devil's trained your mental pathways to believe something that's not true about you. Now that's the first part of the assignment. Sometimes that's the most difficult, but... Where's an area? Where's an area that you struggle with? Now, the second is to answer what spiritual truth from God's Word demolishes that stronghold. Take a scriptural truth, a truth empowered by God's living Word, His active Word that's powerful enough to bring transformation, and we'll let the Word renew our mind. What I want you to do is write out some truth, being very specific. What is it that demolishes the stronghold in your life? Don't just write a sentence. Think about it. Meditate on it. Let it be born out of God's word. And then write a statement that creates emotional energy toward a truth of God. Write it or type it or whatever, but start thinking about it. Then I would encourage you to speak it until God starts to renew your mind. So I'll say it like this. We're going to write it, think it, Say it out loud until we believe it. We're going to write it, think it, say it until we believe it. Now, it might take time. We're renewing and we're changing. We're creating new neural pathways, and God is renewing our mind with truth. Let me give you some examples. You might be struggling to know God's will in your life, so maybe you would write out something like this. My life belongs to God. Daily I seek Him. Daily he directs my steps. I know his voice. He leads me to his perfect will. Write it, think it, say it until you believe it. Maybe you're lacking confidence. You feel insecure. You feel inadequate. You feel like you're not enough. Maybe you write out something like, my confidence is in Christ and Christ alone. Because his spirit lives within me, I can do everything he calls me to do. Write it, think it, say it until you believe it. You might have a struggle with fighting lustful thoughts. You are sick and tired of being hostage to images and shameful ideas. Maybe you write out, I am not a slave to lustful thoughts because God has purified my mind. I will honor him with my eyes and thoughts. My God is faithful, and even if I am tempted, he will always give me a way out. Write it, think it, say it until you believe it. Let God renew your mind. Some other ideas. You might find comfort in food. And you don't want to do this anymore. So you write out, When I'm stressed, I will turn to God, not food. I come to Jesus because He is what I need. In Him I find strength and comfort. Write it, think it, say it until you believe it. You might find yourselves battling worry all the time. Because of Jesus, I am not anxious about anything. I cast my care on God because he cares for me. I have the peace of God dwelling in my heart and ruling my mind. 
Write it, think it, say it until you believe it. Identify the stronghold. Where are the wires crossed? Identify the truth, the spiritual truth that will set you free. Write it, think it, say it until you believe it. Continue to allow yourself to be transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind. You're creating new neural pathways according to truth, and God is renewing your mind. This is what I need to uncross the wires and live according to his truth. Why does it matter? Because your life is always moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts, and if you don't control what you think, you'll never control what you do. Take back your mind. Meditate, focus on truth. Fix your mind on what is true and admirable and excellent and praiseworthy. Meditate on such things. Focus your mind on truth. So what are you going to do? Identify your mental stronghold wherever you have the wires crossed. Identify the truth that completely sets you free. Write it, think it, say it until you believe it. And as followers of Jesus, what will we not do? We will not be conformed to the patterns of this world, but we will be transformed. How? Not by trying harder, not by being smarter, not by more personal effort, but by the renewing of our minds. What is the greatest power to overcome the lies? It is the truth of Jesus. And it was Jesus who said, and you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Carmen, why don't you come and lead us in prayer?